You're listening to the Unheld in News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week, we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media, and we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths, and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch, and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths. Travis Steele is the owner of Steele Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths faithful volunteer and dramatist Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast. In today's podcast and Pharisee Watch, we're going to talk about Israel. There are a number of topics here, and we're going to turn back to Haaretz. They've got some very interesting pieces here from their editorial and news items. And we're going to lead off with a, a story that uh, really kind of sums it up. It's, it's really interesting, particularly to me and as an American, to see this kind of critique of the Israeli government from Israelis. And the piece from Haritz is entitled, In Israel, the Life of a Palestinian is Cheap. Leslie, would you read that for us, please? In Israel, the life of a Palestinian is cheap. When it comes to shooting a Palestinian, pulling the trigger does not come with a real fear of having to answer to the law. Haritz Editorial. The pictures from Friday's events in Nabi Salah are hard to swallow. An Israel Defense Forces soldier opens the back door of an armored military jeep and from a distance of just a few meters fires a tear gas canister directly at a young man who is throwing stones. After the canister is fired, the jeep continues on its way without stopping. A photographer on the scene relates that the young man, quote, fell to the ground, remained conscious for a few seconds, and then began bleeding profusely from the region of his eye, unquote. He was subsequently evacuated for treatment at Bellison Hospital, where he was sedated and placed on a respirator. On Saturday, he died from his wounds. The incident took place during the weekly demonstration held by residents of Nabi Salah against the expropriation of their land in favor of the nearby settlement of Halamish and the settlers' takeover of a spring that served the Palestinian resident. The young man who was killed has a name, Mustafa Tamimi, 28, a resident of the village and regular participant in the demonstration's that have been taking place there every Friday for the past two years. The IDF spokesman's office said in response that, quote, the Army is looking into the incident, unquote. 
But one needs to wonder about the use of term, quote, looking into, unquote. A report published last week by Yashtin Volunteers for Human Rights, which examined 192 complaints, including an analysis of the content of 67 military police investigations into various types of severe harm to Palestinian civilians and their property, reveals that 96.5% of the total number of complaints are closed without indictments. The reasons for this are varied. The lack of military police bases in the West Bank professional shortcomings in the military force investigations, victims who retract complaints for fear of losing permits or suffering harm at the hands of soldiers they have complained against. But the conclusion is obvious. When it comes to shooting a Palestinian, pulling the trigger does not come with a real fear of having to answer to the law. On the day Tamimi was killed, Kayam Levinson published a report in Haaretz that dealt with the failings of the Israel Police's Judea and Samaria District with regard to investigations into harm to Palestinians. Concerning the killing of a 10-year-old girl, Abir Araman, by the IDF in early 2007, the High Court of Justice ruled that the incident was improperly handled and to date, no one has been called on to answer for the 2009 killing of demonstrator Bassem Abu Rami. Will the death of Mustafa Tamimi be added to the statistics that show that in Israel, the life of a Palestinian is cheap? Thank you. We know that. But there are people in Israel that think uh, to the contrary, and this next story from Haritz is interesting. It's entitled A Particularly Creative Mind, and it's an opinion by Haritz, and the subtitle is Interpretation of the Law by Rank-and-File Official Could Emerge as an Effective Asset in the Process of Shriveling the Only Democracy in the Middle East. And I guess we would question the fact that they even call it a democracy because uh, not everybody gets to vote there. The Arab citizens are not even considered citizens. They're non-citizens. But anyway, on to the, the paper here. Quote, the report about the Perez Center for Peace's request for tax breaks for its donors and the fact that the tax authority conditions such an arrangement on the center's withdrawal from a project that brings physicians from the Gaza Strip to Israeli hospitals for training purposes exposes an ugly and twisted tale. In recent years, 120 physicians from the Gaza Strip and West Bank have undergone internships at 18 hospitals in Israel. Their internships were aimed at boosting the level of medical services in the Palestinian Authority and Gaza and also benefited the hospitals in Israel. Interns, as we have learned recently, work for long hours and take home small paychecks, and in this instance, very small ones. Many of the Palestinian interns require assistance with housing and food, and they are helped by the Perez Centers. No one has breathed a bad word about the project. To the contrary, 
It has gone ahead to the satisfaction of both sides, has earned worldwide renown, and remains of late almost alone on the list of good deeds by the state of Israel. So if this is the case, then why destroy it? And then they have a chronicle of, uh, of events, and then this last this paragraph pretty much sums it up. The Perez Center for Peace submits a request for tax breaks for its donors to the Israel Tax Authority, Department of Public Institutions and Nonprofit Organizations. The department's response, dated April 20th, included the demand that, quote, the nonprofit association will cease its activities related to conducting training for physicians, paramedic professionals, and medical students who will come from the Gaza Strip for training in Israel or for training at their place of residence or work, unquote. So we're seeing uh, the bureaucrats are winning out in Israel. And uh, our next item here is interesting because this uh, doesn't have anything to do directly with the Palestinians, but it's rather with Israeli citizens, settlers that are living in the West Bank. This is land that they've appropriated from, or I should say stole from the Palestinians and have created settlements, which is one of the big controversies between the Palestinians and Israel. Israel continues to build settlements there. Travis? I'm reading from an abbreviated thing on the screen here. Netanyahu, all lines were crossed when Israeli citizens attacked IDF soldiers. PM, I'm assuming, uh, Prime Minister, says, will use all, quote, all of his power, end quote, to stem violence by right-wing extremists. Livne, government, shares responsibility for attacks on IDF base. Comment from Haaretz editor, quote, the settlers were galvanized into action by rumors that the eviction of several West Bank settlements was imminent. The Supreme Court ruled in September that the state must destroy Migron, the largest outpost in the West Bank. Forty-five families live in Migron, which has a total population of 280 people. Haaretz article, quote, Early Tuesday morning, some 50 settlers and right-wing activists entered a West Bank military base and threw rocks, burned tires, and vandalized military vehicles. An IDF officer was lightly wounded as a result of the rock throwing. In addition to the attack on the IDF base, right-wing activists blocked a main West Bank road and threw stones at passing Palestinian vehicles and IDF soldiers in the area. Around 100 right-wing activists and settlers came to the area of the base before 50 of them entered the base, according to the IDF spokesman. The use were repelled by security forces. No arrests were made. Carlson says, what if these had been Palestinian demonstrators? Thank you. That, that is uh, very telling. There were no arrests made. And I would assume, I'm not certain specifically about this settlement that they were uh, the Supreme Court had ruled on, but it was probably one of these where they have squatters, what the normal thing that happens in a lot of times in these settlements is that people basically move in there. These Israeli Jews move into a site, they, they become squatters there, and eventually start building. And then they get somehow get a permit from the government to build. So they basically take over and land on the Palestinian West Bank 
and then it turns into a settlement. So this may be one of the ones that Israel is placating the Palestinians possibly. I'm not sure. Can you add anything to that, Chuck? Yes, I, I think I can. Generally, the procedure is that the official government uh, or the military of the state of Israel picks out a place that they want, and if you go there and look, you'll find that it's strategic spots that overlook a road, a highway, the top of a hill, or that controls a well or a water supply or something they want. And uh, they essentially go in and, and start placing these immigrant squatters on the land. And, and so the squatter doesn't just go there on his own volition. He's put there by the IDF. And he then, may, they build a house for him perhaps or put him in business and give him a weapon, and he lives there. What's happened here is that you have some of these that were so outrageous in their abuse of the uh, surrounding Palestinians that the Israeli courts have actually even held that they're not legal. And, of course, none of these settlements are legal because they're all taken by force. And then, of course, the military has to come back in and tell these rather radical young people that they place on these things that they have to leave. And so what you have here is these people say, uh, no, you don't. This is home to me. You put me here. I'm staying. And so then they're holding a revolt. The interesting thing here is that uh, uh, the choice of words that the Israeli press always uses for these vicious fanatics, basically, is right-wing activists and settlers, as though they actually settled unclaimed land. Right-wing activists kind of implying they're somebody like Ron Paul. Actually, what they are is unemployed Israelis who have been put there and told to kill anybody who gets close to them. And then when they misbehave, they call them right-wing activists in the Israeli press. Well, but they, of course we know from our years of experience that they've distorted the meaning of right-wing and left-wing. And I mean, you know, it's uh, Netanyahu is is a right-wing by the by their definition. Uh, he's not the extreme right wing, although we would consider him as being left wing, as many of our right wing who, who are neocons really are more left wing, they're for more government. One of his opposition is, is Tippy Lifney, who um, mm. Travis read about here. Lifney, government shares, says that government shares the responsibility for the attack on the IDF base. So she doesn't like. Netanyahu, she's a political competitor, so she's saying what I just said. Uh, and, and by the way, she's considered radical left wing, but she uh, yeah. she jumps into the fray and says, "Well, if they wouldn't have put them there in the first place, they wouldn't be revolting." So that that's what that's really what her argument was. And then a follow another article here, a news item: uh, right wing activist calls on IDF soldiers to sabotage equipment. Is the headline? A day after settlers attacked a West Bank IDF base, one of the Yitzhar settlement's most prominent residents, Boaz Albert, published a personal letter to IDF soldiers calling on them to sabotage the Army's equipment and prevent evacuations. So it could get kind of violent there, and this kind of harkens back to the book that we republished, was originally published Holocaust II, Saving Israel from Suicide, published in 1990. We republished the book as One Nation Under Israel. And that's exactly what could be happening here in Israel is committing suicide with all these insane acts that uh, are going on. We've just 
seen a sampling right here in the items that we just talked about. Jack Bernstein wrote a story, My Farewell to Israel. He was a Sephardic, or he was a uh, Ashkenaz Jew from New York or someplace who went to Israel 30 years ago and and then left and explained why he left. And he said that 80% of the people who immigrated to Israel from the United States eventually got completely fed up with it, turned around and went back and wouldn't even think of ever, of trying to live in Israel. And uh, so this is, this is just a case of these these settlers. They've probably been brought in from Brooklyn or maybe even from Poland or from Russia or someplace and placed there, and they, they're basically bored with the life they've been given. They're ready to go someplace else if they can find a better deal. So Israel has all kinds of problems as a result of its basically communistic policies of moving people around and giving them land and giving them jobs to do and acting just like they were in communist Russia. And that is, of course, what yes. Jack Bernstein said Israel was, is a, essentially a polished up and prettied up communist state operating with the other people's money. All right. Thank you. Well, let's switch to the other side of the uh, Atlantic Ocean here, back on the shores of the United States. Chuck, you've got kind of an update on a story we have been talking about. Right. We've been talking about Andrews Brevik. We've been talking about the uh, the hate programs that are being carried on in American churches, which we've worked against for eight years now. And uh, we've also been talked about some of the leaders in this agitation, uh, which is, of course, taking the shape of anti-Islam. Anti-Islam in America uh, has no legitimacy because we don't have an Islamic problem in America, but the purpose of it basically is is to promote the war, the pending war against Iran and to keep the existing wars uh, in currently Afghanistan and Pakistan escalated. And in order to do that, we've said over and over again, the people that are benefiting from these wars need to train those of us who are willing to listen to them to hate Muslims so that bombing Iran does not seem to be such a painful and inhumane thing to do. Now, our effort is pointed at the religious groups that are promoting hatred because we think that's where hatred should stop, not start. And the Florida Family Association was started by one David Caton. And, uh, by the way, this is an associated organization with Don Wildman's Family Association of America. And they're carrying out an effort to try to prevent Muslims from explaining their way of life in, in something they're doing on the thing called the Learning Channel, where these people have gotten together and they've sort of done a thing kind of like, I guess everybody's seen the I Am a Mormon advertisements that are being carried on national television. And the Muslims are saying this is a, a slice of, of Islamic life. And they've produced these uh, very engaging little movies that you can watch on the uh, Learning Channel. You can also pick them up by searching for them, and they're they're called All American Muslim. That's All Dash All Hyphen American Muslim. And so the American Family Association has decided to stamp out this effort by Muslims to try to explain themselves, and uh, they're going after the people that are sponsoring their movies on television, and, and they're doing this with threat and int- intimidation. Uh, so this is another great Christian effort, and it's called, and, and here's the words of the American uh, Florida Family Association, All-American Muslim is a propaganda that is riskily hides the Islamic agenda, agenda's clear and present danger 
to American liberties and traditional values. Well, is Islam a, a clear and, and present danger to American liberties and traditional values in this country? I'll leave that to you. The Lear- Learning Channel's new show, All American Muslim, is propaganda. Clearly, this is American Family Association talking, clearly designed to counter legitimate and present-day concerns about many Muslims who are advocates of Islamic fundamentalism and Sharia law. That's Florida Family Association speaking. And they, they go on. Sources that the uh, Florida Family Association lists as authorities about Muslims included Robert Spencer, who we wrote about last week. <clears throat> He's the director of Jihad Watch and the author of A Politically Incorrect Guide to Islam and the Crusades. The Truth About Muhammad and other books. And we have encountered him and found that he is not only a liar, but, but a uh, seemingly very well-paid one. And his sidekick is Pamela Geller, and she uh, runs an organization called All American Muslims Hide the Truth About Islam, which was an interview that she did on World Net Daily. Sunday evening, the Learning Channel premiered the new All American Muslim program, which described is described as a, quote, powerful series taking viewers inside rarely seen world of American Muslims. And it uncovers a unique community struggling to balance faith and nationality, so, so they say. Balancing faith with nationality. Why is that a struggle? Uh, because they conflict. And here's what they say is wrong with that. Quote, the show profiles only Muslims that appear to be ordinary folks, while excluding many Islamic believers whose agenda poses a clear and present danger to liberty and traditional values that Americans cherish, end quote. So the complaint that the American Family Association is is that these Muslim-created films only show decent law-abiding Muslims, and they don't show the ones that the American Family Association wants them to show, which would be pose a threat to all of us. So much for free speech, it sounds so much like. For free uh... speech. Well, let me, let, me, let me read one more line here. All American Muslims follows the daily lives of five American Muslim families in Dearborn, Michigan, one of the most established and largely concentrations of American Muslims in the country. Each episode offers an intimate look at customs and celebrations as well as misconceptions, conflicts, and differences these families face outside and within their own community. And I I watched one or two of these just to see what they were talking about. And one was about a newly married girl who was pregnant and was scared about uh, uh, having a baby. And it's the story of her and her husband's walk through pregnancy. Highly dangerous sort of subject to touch upon, I guess. Another was about a woman who was decided to go under the cloth and wear a habib, and she was busy giving away and lamenting over giving away her pretty clothes. So this is the kind of things we're talking about. And this is what the American Family Association finds so repugnant that they're going out and trying to get Lowe's Corporation to defund uh, the showing of these little films that these people are doing. And by the way, I enjoyed the little films. I thought they were uh, very tasteful and very typical of all kinds of people, uh, no matter what their religion is, including some I can remember in my own life. Well, it seems like here in America we've gotten an intolerance for everything that we that we don't agree with. So, what happened? The old uh, thing about if you don't like it, turn it off, uh, turn whatever you're looking at, or 
turn to something it. else. Don't watch it. Don't watch We've it. become so intolerant. Isn't it amazing? Yes, and we have these organizations that are calling themselves Christians that are, of course, actively to- coding, uh, promoting intolerance, and they're quoting people who are professional anti-Islamists and who are vile and foul in the things they do say, and uh, and, and they get paid for it very well. So the, these are the ones that are being quoted. Um, Geller and uh, Spencer are probably not Christian Christians, but they find themselves having Christian audiences all over. Geller certainly isn't. Uh, so uh, I'd like to suggest, Tom, that you close by having Leslie read this statement from George Washington as to when he was asked to speak to a Jewish community back in uh, 1790 uh, in uh, Newport. Uh, do you have that, Leslie? George Washington's Religious Freedom Letter, the original Washington's letter to the Hebrew congregation in Newport, Rhode Island, August 1790, is a brief, but its impact on American life is immense, courtesy George Washington Institute of Religious Freedom. Gentlemen, while I received with much satisfaction your address replete with expressions of esteem, I rejoice in the opportunity of assuring you that I shall always retain grateful remembrance of the cordial welcome I experienced on my visit to Newport from all classes of citizens. The reflection on the days of difficulty and danger which are past is rendered the more sweet from a consciousness that they are succeeded by days of uncommon prosperity and security. If we have wisdom to make the best use of the advantages with which we are now favored, we cannot fail, under the just administration of a good government, to become a great and happy people. The citizens of the United States of America have a right to applaud themselves for having been given to mankind examples of an enlarged and liberal policy, a policy worthy of imitation. All possess alike liberty of conscience and immunities of citizenship. It is now no more that toleration is spoken of as if it were the indulgence of one class of people that another enjoyed the exercise of their inherent natural rights, for happily the government of the United States, which gives to bigotry no sanction, to persecution no assistance, requires only that they they who live under its protection should demean themselves as good citizens in giving it on all occasions their effectual support. It would be inconsistent with the frankness of my character not to avow that I am pleased with your favorable opinion of my administration and fervent wishes for my felicity. May the children of the stock of Abraham who dwell in this land continue to merit and enjoy the goodwill of the other inhabitants, while everyone shall sit in safety under his own vine and fig tree, and there shall be none to make him afraid. May the Father of all mercies scatter light and not darkness upon our paths 
and make us all in our several vocations useful here and in his own due time and way everlastingly happy. Thank you. My pleasure. G. Washington. Words well worth remembering and reflecting upon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.